Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, AmSpa President and COO Kathy Christensen is in conversation with Brian Poltonadich, CEO and Managing Director, and Brooke Bauer, Director of Marketing Research of Gordian Solutions Group. Welcome to Medical Spa Insider. My name is Kathy Christensen. I am the president and COO of the American Med Spa Association, and I'm very, very excited to welcome our guests for this time around, Brian and Brooke from GSG Solutions. Um, Brian and Brooke actually have helped us for multiple years as we do our state of the industry report for the medical spa industry. And I'm really excited to have them on to kind of talk more about um, the importance of data in the industry, the importance of how we can use the data. And we're currently in kind of the collection time for our next uh, report. So we're excited to kind of talk about that as well and would love to drum up some some more uh, survey takers so we can make sure to get the best we can um, as far as data for the industry. So welcome, Brian and Brooke. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Thank you, Thank Kathy. You. Go ahead, Brooke. Great. So um, I have been in market research for over 15 years now, and the majority of my research has been focused in the aesthetics industry, um, both for manufacturers of products and devices, as well as supporting industry associations like AMSPA. Um, I met Brian, I will turn it over to Brian, when he was VP of analytics at Medicis, the dermatology company. Yes, thank you. Um, I'm Brian Poulton Avage. I am the founder of uh, GSG. I've got a corporate background, worked in marketing research for Hershey Foods and the Dial Corporation. And then, as Brooke said, I was VP of analytics for uh, Medicis, the dermatology company, for about a dozen years before opening Gordian Solutions Group and providing marketing research services to the industry. Yeah, no, we were lucky enough. I for you guys actually, if you remember, you reached out to me years ago to for to be an expert on um, some data uh, that you were doing research on at the time, and that's actually how our paths crossed um, because you have such a interesting footprint in this industry. I think there's a lot of data and benchmarking for this industry for people who are absolutely outside of it, which is you know, interesting because you get data, but you don't necessarily get um, the way that it can be used in business. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. There's, a, you know, when we started, I think we were one of the only. And now every time I turn around, some other third party has a report. And you talk about a little bit about why ours is, is unique from that. Brooke? Sure. Um, I can highlight some of the elements of our state of the industry report that makes it unique. I would say having a dedicated partner who specializes in research and is a third party is key to the success of any research. Um, like I said, I've been doing market research for over 15 years. I've worked in other therapeutic areas uh, such as oncology, diabetes, that can be very complicated areas to execute research in. But I will tell you, doing good quality research in the aesthetics industry is just as challenging due to 
the ever-changing dynamics of how practices are structured, the number of new entrants in the market and number of different um, new treatment solutions that are coming into the market. So you really need a partner for your research that is highly experienced in the aesthetic industry so they can design the research tool in a way to get you meaningful results. And then being a third party, doing the research, collecting the data, analyzing the data is really important for any research in any industry, just so that you have um, a very, a very neutral viewpoint on what you're reporting. Brian, anything to add? Um, yes, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm a data guy at heart. I think with my industry background, that's kind of where I started and gone into commercialization from there. So when I look at any industry, the first thing I look for is the data sources. So I have seen, to your point, Kathy, a number of reports in, in the aesthetic spa industry, but none that have the, the business, financial, structure, operational details that this report contains. And if I'm in the business myself, I can look at my data sources. I can say, well, I've got data from my EMR. I've got data from my web analytics. I might have data from a voice of the customer survey that I do, but the nuts and bolts around the business and what's the operational aspects are and the structure and the revenue and the profitability, salaries, things of that nature has to be where I start. And that's what we provide in, in the survey. And the great thing about it is besides Brooke's point that you've got aesthetics industry experts that have been in the industry themselves and lived it like Brooke and I have, but we're going to you all as spa owners and people operating in spas for the details. Nobody knows it better than you guys do. So I think that's both of those are points of differentiation for us. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I'm always so grateful to those who um, do complete the survey. I mean, we have a number of incentives, but um, I think to your point, Brian, it's it's very true. Like when we started this, there are multiple reports that we love and admire here at AMSPA. Like ASAPS has a report and, and uh, a number of the plastic surgery um, associations have reports that are really critical and they have really great data and they are done by, you know, either their research arm or a third party. And a lot of them are based on um, they're providing information that's about what treatments are popular and all of that. And when we launched um, the state of the industry report for the medical spa, what we were trying to do is to provide some of that business background too. So one of the things that I know that I get asked a lot when I'm kind of out in the world um, is um, analytics as far as compensation benchmarking and how can I get this? I get that a lot. I'm always like state of the industry report truly is a great um, is a great report because you can actually see throughout the country, you know, what people are on average paying their MPs or paying their medical directors and things like that. Um, what do you find to be the most kind of the best use of this data? Because um, another thing I wanted to point out is if you do complete the survey, you get the whole survey for free. If you're a plus member, you get it for free. But a lot of people get this data and they see it and they don't know how to convert it into actual usable business information. Do you have any advice on kind of taking the next step with data 
um, especially ours. That's that's kind of the compensation treatment. I know we talk about things like um, where we're at as far as revenue for the industry. But, you know, if I'm I'm a medical spa owner, how do I take this info and actually incorporate it in a useful way? Brooke, I always acquiesce to Brooke first. <laughs> as you should, because she is. As a, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. So I think it is, it's full of rich data to understand where your business is compared to others in the United States. And, you know, all med spa owners are different. And there's some that have very structured business practices within their med spot. And then there's others that haven't developed those yet. Wherever you are in that spectrum, you can use this as either a benchmarking tool or get ideas about here's what others are tracking based on what has been asked in the survey. And maybe I, I'm not going to start with all of these but here's the ones that make the most sense for my practice to start tracking. And then after I do that for a few months, I can see where I compare to others in the industry. I can make changes if I need to, I can start tracking other metrics to complement that. So it provides a starting point for everybody, no matter what type of practice you are and where you are in that spectrum of um, running your business. Yeah, and, and I'll dovetail onto that. Thank you, Brooke. Um, I, I agree 100%. I would use it as a benchmark. And there, there's an old saying in research, good research begets more research. Good research is going to answer questions, but should also give questions for you to ask. So if I'm a business owner, I'm going to look at this and I'm going to say, how do I compare in my revenue, in my profitability, in salaries, in um, the makeup of my practice as far as uh, what procedures I'm using, male versus female, age, and um, the repeat customers that I'm getting, a customer retention, in turnover of my uh, nurse injectors or my estheticians. I'm going to look at my practice and I'm going to compare it to averages. In some areas, I might be better than average and that might be a good thing. In other areas, I might not be. And then I want to ask myself why. And that, okay, give myself some areas to dig into to say, is this an opportunity for me here to make some potential changes to increase my performance? Or am I doing better? And I'm going to leave this alone and I'm going to look for opportunities elsewhere. I would use it in, in that fashion moving forward. So help me understand, if I'm um, in the medical spa space, I'm a medical spa owner, I'm looking at you know, maybe I subscribe to Yahoo and I'm keywording, you know, medical spa research or industry research. What do I need to look for to find good research? Because honestly, it's a bit of a dime a dozen. There are a lot of, um, I will say, and I say this lovingly, um, that the medical spa industry is a cynical one. Um, I feel like we've been burned on every kind of conceivable level. Um, so it's, we're a tough crowd, right? Like we're, we automatically wonder where you got it. How did you get this information? Um, so tell me a little bit about the best ways to collect data, kind of red flags to look for in other data. Um, and, and basically when, when can you trust what you're seeing? So from a research lens, 
any data that you are looking at should have a sample size on it. And that sample size is indicating how many responses that that figure or that data is based on. Um, sample sizes that you can rely on are 50 and above. You don't ever wanna base your decisions on anything that's a sample size of 10 respondents, for example. That can be a good directional indicator, but you really need to be looking for larger sample sizes. I will say that so it's- So confirming, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Brooke, but I just, just wanna confirm, sample sizes means the amount of people who have answered that question in full, correct? Exactly, yes. Okay. And it's very, it can be very technical in research, but I bring it up because it is an important point. Um, it's also hard in the aesthetics industry to find larger sample sizes. And we run into that because it is a new medical specialty. And so historically where you conduct research and where you find your respondents are through panels of physicians and NPPAs and RNs who have opted in to participate in research. And because the med spa industry is so new, there aren't a very robust source of those. So while I say 50 is kind of a benchmark, oftentimes we'll go down to 30. But the point is, is don't make decisions based on four people answering the question. Look for larger sample sizes. Um, that's one point that's important. Brian, I'll and jump it's to you. Probably, it's probably a warning sign if there's no sample size listed at all. Yes, and always reach out to the source and ask. They should share that with you. It isn't proprietary. Yeah, um, that 100% true. Uh, and I would say, if I'm looking at, if I'm looking for a piece of research that I can feel confident in, um, well, first of all, skepticism, healthy skepticism is necessary. So continue that. Um, second of all, look for... Um, who is conducting the research? Is it an independent third party or is it a sponsored by a co uh, the company or something else? If it's actually done by the, the a company or manufacturer or something else, then there, there may be bias inherent in that rather than an independent third party. So look for an independent third party. Look for an independent third party that hopefully has some expertise or experience, longevity in um, the industry as we do in, in aesthetics. You know, I've been, the company I was with launched Disport and Restylane, and I was a big part of that process. So we have experience back from that date moving forward in the aesthetics industry. Um, sample size is key. Also look for the sample, right? Are they getting to the right people? Um, you can ask industry experts about the spa in industry, or you can ask spa owners and spa operators about the spa industry. Mm -hmm. um, so there's different perspectives. So are we getting to the right people? Are we getting a good sample of those people? Um, and, and is it distributed? Is it distributed across the country demographically, geographically, where the business is? Uh, a lot of the med spas are in the Sun Belt. So if you're looking at a report that is bias towards the northeast or the upper midwest you may not be getting you know a, a good sample so you have to dig into some of those details and then i would also look at what types of information are you looking for are you looking for what the high procedures are 
to your point, Kathy, you know, ASPS and, and other groups out there have some of that information. Are you looking for more of the operational and the business side? Then you have to say, is this the type of, of research that's going to provide me that level of detail and that insight? So that's kind of a context, a kaleidoscope of what you may want to look for that can give you some confidence that you're finding the right piece of information. So kind of to that point, can you speak a little bit to how you do data collection for AMSPA's State of the Industry Report? And to give a little background, the reason we did the AMSPA State of the Industry Report is that kind of skepticism that exists in the industry. And really, when we started in this industry, the point was to have a, a good, true, trustworthy organization to give you the data that you know you need and and you could use it the way you need to and when we started out i mean it's always kind of been a labor of love um it's i you guys have been with us for most of it you know it's not an easy thing to find, for people to find 15 minutes to complete the survey for us and and all of that but we do think it's really really important um and i think it's also kind of equally important for people to understand the way we collect the data we're not just taking uh, anybody who wants to complete it, they can make it through and you could get any number of kind of Joe Schmoes in there to add into the data. Can you kind of explain um, how our data collection process works and what those filters are to make sure that the data that people are receiving is, is really applicable to them? Sure. And that is an important part of trusting the data that Brian and I didn't touch on. So the data collection is also important. Um, it's often referred to as the methodology behind the research. So we this year, we did streamline the survey. Um, so that's the first step. As I talked about earlier, the aesthetic industry is very nuanced, and so it can make filling out a survey because we need to get all of those details challenging. Um, we streamlined it to the extent possible. So it should be a shorter survey than in the past. Um, we have a screener in place, which means we are asking people questions to make sure they meet the criteria for the right person to be filling out this survey before they start answering all of the questions that we report on. And some of that criteria includes um, being a med spa owner or an employee at a med spa who can speak to the details around um, the patient demographics of the med spa, number of employees, procedures offered, all of the types of questions that we ask. Um, if you're not a med spa owner or someone that can speak to that and you select a different answer, then you're not participating in our survey. We also want to make sure that we're only having one person per med spa answering the survey so that we're not skewing the results that we get towards certain volumes if a high volume med spa is answering. So we make sure in our screener that no one else from the, from the industry has answered. Um, and then we're really fortunate, like I said before, with the medical spa industry being a newer um, medical specialty, there are the panels out there of um, providers who will participate in research are growing, but they're not as robust as some other medical specialties. And we're lucky in that AMSPA has a database of 
medical spa professionals. So we're able to ask people who we know are medical spa professionals to complete the research versus going out to a general group of medical specialties that may or may not be involved in a med spa. Like, for example, anything, um, because we have so many various specialties in med spas or dermatologists or plastic surgeons that are practicing aesthetic medicine, but not necessarily in a medical spa setting. So we're very fortunate to have that list of people that we know are in a medical spa setting. Yeah. And, and, and I think that is the whole starting point is the good targeted database and list. Um, if you don't find those people that have the insight, that have the knowledge, and, and quite honestly, that have the motivation to want to provide that, um, you're, you're not going to, to get where you need to go. And those types of lists and databases, qualified ones, as we have with AMSPA, are very hard to come by in this industry. And I'll just, one last point is when we wrap up the data collection, we have, have algorithms and intelligence that looks at the answers that we get. And we can tell if we're getting, you know, legitimate, reasonable answers that seem to be in line with what what we would think we would be getting and what other answers are, or if somebody is kind of just going through and doing random things and filling it, that gets pulled out. We have a cleansing process and program that pulls that information out. Or if it's something that we really need to discuss that gets pulled out and we discuss it as a group, say, does this make sense? Is this legitimate? It might be an outlier, but is it reasonable? So we have a cleansing process on the back end that, that helps and starts with the data collection and it ends with the data cleansing before it goes into reporting. Yeah, no, we're very lucky to have that list. And um, we have a really kind of driven group at AMSPA. Our members are are hard workers. Sometimes it feels like they're they don't have uh, the time that it takes to do that. But I I encourage AMSPA members and non members that are in the industry to to take the fifteen minutes to fill out the survey. Um, it's your chance to kind of give a voice and 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 have your voice heard for what is becoming and it is growing into a very profitable and established industry. So um, always kind of want to make sure that that we get those voices in there. I'm curious, I know this year, um, a big part of what, and it's really been happening for multiple years, but it's um, become a very big part of our industry this year, or at least one that's growing is private equity and investment. Um, and we added some questions in there as well. Um, have you guys had a chance at all at this point to see any preliminary data? And if so, is there anything that that you're that is intriguing to you that you're seeing? We have not been able to look at the preliminary data, but I'm also excited about how that might shift. The private equity element might shift this year. Mm -hmm. Some other points that we're excited to see are how some of the patient demographics might be shifting. Are we having more males coming in? Are, 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 are males and females that are coming in skewing younger yet as we see this whole trend of attention towards skin care skewing younger? Mm -hmm. So there will be lots of exciting things coming in this report. 
Yeah, I'll be interested. Nurse ownership, nurse practitioner ownership is a big thing that I, I, I'll i be interested to see what happens. Um, one of the things about this industry that I, I'm sure you guys know, because you live and breathe it almost as much as we do, is that it's not, never boring. Um, the data is always changing. I think that's part of kind of our challenge. As, as Brooke said, we scaled down the report a little bit this year. Um, and it's always our challenge to kind of keep a focus because this industry grows in so many different directions. Um, what are you seeing as far as the industry as a whole and, and the research that you guys are kind of conducting for, you know, do you have any predictions for the coming year or the coming, you know, three years for this industry and what to expect? I will agree with you on your points about the nurse practitioner ownership. That is a data point in the last report that we saw a significant increase in compared to 2019 when we ran the last one. So that's a trend that we're seeing both in your research and hearing a lot of talk about in the industry. Um, I think that new product entrants are something that we're still seeing quite a bit of. Um, historically, that's been the case, but it's not slowing down mm -hmm. um, in many different treatment areas and skincare. So I think that just the number of choices for treatment is continuing to grow. Well, no. and, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, and to your point, I'll be curious. We've always had weight loss in yeah. our list, but I'll be very curious to see how those kind of ancillary treatments are, are going to grow this year. I think that's one of the most exciting. I'm kind of a nerd, obviously, you can tell because I'm <laughs> excited about this. Um, but it will be very exciting to see um, the, you know, whether the growth truly has happened or if it's there's a lot of hype, but not as much um, adoption in our industry of things like Ozempic and all of that. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's kind of what I love about this report is it's really the rubber kind of meets the road on what you've heard and what you're, you know, what the buzz is versus what's actually being adopted. Yeah, I'll agree. Um, I, I think from a treatment perspective, uh, weight loss and treatment, um, the injectables, um, as far as the weight loss products, hair loss, um, I've also seen and been reading about the the more superficial injectables, the cocktail style, where there's there's HA, there's there's filler, there's neuro, but it's kept more on the superficial level um, to do more skin resurfacing type than than uh, um, filling things of that nature. Um, exosomes is always one that comes up. Growth is factors, that, yeah. right? Growth factors, stem cells are always ones that come up. Are they going to be seen in this at all? So that kind of regenerative type of medicine. And one of the things that I've been been hearing on the periphery and reading about a little bit is, is AI going to start coming into the treatment process where you can look at somebody's face and a physician can work with the, the patient to say, OK, here's what we could do. And here's some treatments that AI would recommend um, to give kind of a third party objective, right, type of type of perspective to that process. So I, I think treatments are really going to be interesting to see what happens. And I'll, I'll echo Brooke's point on ownership. If, if pyramid equity is coming in, if PE is coming in, it'll be interesting to see 
how that affects things and if things start to become more templated and more standardized, maybe more cookie cutter, because PE usually likes to have a pattern and a template that they can replicate. It makes things easy. It makes things profitable. Um, and that takes away some of the customization, some of the boutique feel, things of that nature. So it'll be interesting to see if how that penetration grows and if that standardization starts to, to take place moving forward. I completely agree. I'm like fascinated by that. Like one of the things in our industry that has always been kind of the X factor that you can't put pinpoint is the artistry factor. You know, you can have um, you can have an MD all day long who has no clue how to make your lips look good. Um, it doesn't mean he's not perfectly capable of doing it. It just means that he doesn't have that artistic component potentially that you need. And that's, that's been something that, um, that's hard to duplicate. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm fascinated to see what happens again, because I'm a big nerd. And if you're interested in joining kind of the voices for this report, we still have, we have a little under a month, but we're still collecting data for the, uh, 2023 report. Yes. Right? Yep. That's what we're, 2023, 2024. Um, but the data comes from 23. We always kind of get confused on that. But um, we'd love for you, uh, if you're in the medical spa industry at all, and we do have the ability to um, kind of house your your voice, we ask that you join us, take 15 minutes, um, be a part of the state of the industry survey. We're closing it on the 5th. Is that right, Brooke? Closing collection on the 5th? Yes. Okay, on the fit. Okay, so right now, I guess I should probably indicate it is February 13th. Um, and on March 5th, we'll be closing uh, the data collection. So if you're interested in being a part of the state of the industry survey um, and report, uh, please, please join us. It's it's pretty quick. Do it while you're kind of, you know, scrolling. Uh, if you're like me, I'm I'm scrolling while I'm watching TV. I never can like dedicate my attention to TV anymore, which is kind of sad. I don't know if you guys are the same way, um, but go to AmericanMedSpa.org um, and under the resources tab, there's a MedSpa state of the industry link that you can click on. And if you scroll down, you can start the survey. Um, as I mentioned, you receive a free copy of the full survey. It used to just be the ex executive uh, summary, but now it's the full survey, which is huge. Um, that's like a $1,000 value in and of itself. Um, you'll receive a promo code to save $200 on any AMSPA bootcamp or AIA advanced cadaver training in, in 2024. Um, and you'll be entered into a drawing to win one of 10 chances to attend MSS uh, medical spa show for free, which is a $1,200 value. And if you've already bought your ticket, we will refund you if that's a concern. So, I'm, um, and I think one of the things that we don't talk about before we wrap up is the qualitative aspect of, of this survey too. Um, so we have the data, we have the analytics, but along with that, we have qualitative data, which is where um, we interview members of our industry to kind of see what is truly happening um, kind of outside of the data. Can you explain to me real quick before we wrap up the difference between quantitative and qualitative data and what the value is there? Sure. So quantitative data refers to data usually collected via an online survey, and it has larger sample sizes, so a large number of people that complete it. 
Um, quantitative data can be used for benchmarking. You can be certain that if you conduct that survey again with that same number of people, there's going to be little change or variation between the data. So it's really good for relying on straight figures and numbers. Qualitative research has a smaller number of people who complete it. It's usually completed through an interview format where you're having a discussion live with somebody. And it is excellent for providing the color behind the numbers that come from quant and some of the um, wise and deeper exploration as to what's happening in the quant numbers. So both of those methodologies are really important to get a full picture. Yeah, 100%. The, the, the quantitative usually provides the what, but doesn't provide the context to, to give perspective to that or the why. And the qualitative with the industry experts will provide the why and, and provide that context that kind of puts the whole piece together and makes things a little bit more applicable. And Kathy, if yeah. I could add a point that we didn't speak about in the data collection process and importance of that for anybody yes. considering coming to take the survey, the data that you provide is blinded. It comes yes. directly to GSG and we do the analysis. There's never any linkage of who you are, what med spa you work for with your unique answers that goes to AMSPA. The data that we provide back to AMSPA is an analysis at the overall level, providing summaries and averages. Um, so you can feel certain while you're completing it that nothing is linked back to you. Yes, and that's a great point. Like if you feel nervous about um, sharing an opinion or sharing data that you don't necessarily want people to know that you shared, we're not even going to know at AMSPA. Um, and GSG is sworn to secrecy. They're, in fact, quite contracted to keep that um, private and confidential. So it's not, you know, that's something that we're not going to know if, you know, if you and and have provided information that you're uncomfortable with or, or what have you, we're not going to be able to come back to you, not that we would, and and ask why. Um, it's it's completely confidential. Um, and that's yet another thing probably to look for when you are looking for quality data is to make sure that it's provided by, uh, or there's a level of confidentiality between the provider and uh, the association or the organization that's doing it. Is that correct? Yes, yes, 100%. All right, so we're trying over here. We'd love um, your help as well to get the data out there that really does help our industry. It helps legitimize our industry and it helps provide the benchmarking that is really, really critical um, as we kind of in the United States forge our way into the medical spa kind of space and journey and grow it and expand it. And uh, if you're a member of AMSPA, you're probably getting a lot of information about legal bills that are happening right now that's kind of shaping and morphing the industry as it does every year. Um, I always say it's it's not like we're the AMA, um, where pretty much everything has been around for 200 years now. We're we're in the middle of, of this and it's, a, it's an exciting process. And I'm grateful to partner with you guys as we kind of try to chronicle it and, and use that information to help people make the best decisions they can for their businesses. Likewise, yes. it's been fun, interesting, very grateful for the opportunity. 
So closes March 5th. If you have a chance, uh, med spa owners, med spa professionals to get in there and, and provide your, your voice to this research, we would appreciate it. Um, and uh, Brian and Brooke, where can folks find you if they're interested potentially in conduct conducting their own research or, or better understand the research that we provide? They can find us. Um, LinkedIn is probably the best place, either Brian or Brooke, and there's a Gordian Solutions Group LinkedIn page as well. All right. And that's Gordian Solutions Groups. We always say GSG, but um, yep. they are incredible partners. And I'm looking forward to seeing what we come up with for this year. So thank you so much for your time, Brooke and Brian, and have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, AmSpa President and COO Kathy Christensen was joined by Brian Poltonavage, CEO and Managing Director, and Brooke Bauer, Director of Marketing Research of Gordian Solutions Group. If you're new with us, click on the subscribe button, then receive new content when it happens. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.